Welcome to Rebellious Christian Philosophy. My name is Luke Smith. I hope you enjoy the show today. Today on Rebellious Christian Philosophy, we are continuing our overview of certain books of the Bible. And today we are going to be looking at the book of Ecclesiastes. The Bible is the best or greatest of books, and Ecclesiastes is the only book of philosophy, pure philosophy, mere philosophy in the Bible. It is no surprise then that Ecclesiastes is the greatest of all books of philosophy. Now this is a quote by the philosopher Peter Crift from his book, Three Philosophies of Life. Crift says that it was the book of Ecclesiastes that led him to be a philosopher. And after having read this book myself for the first time back in 2012, I can say that I agree with Kreef's statement that this book is the greatest of all books of philosophy. Now, as you travel through this book on your own, I do believe you will agree with me on this statement of Kreef's as well. Now, the book of Ecclesiastes is one of the most interesting of books in the Bible, as well as the most misunderstood books in the Bible. When you read the commentators on this book, you're not going to find much agreement with them either. Whether the topic be, well, who's the author of the book, or should this book be in the Bible, or is this just a book of pessimism, you won't find much agreement at all. And I do believe this book has been one of the most neglected books in the Bible in the last few years. Now, I attribute this to fear because people seem afraid to approach it. But I myself don't see any reason to fear this book, though. This is one of the most honest and open books in the Bible and one we need not to be afraid of. And I do believe we need to reform our view of this book and my hope then is that it will produce what, is, what God desired to produce from this book being written in the first place. What did God have in mind when this book was written down? Then that fruit would be produced in us. So there are some, a few questions, though, I think, that will overview this book for us to kind of help us as we jump into it or as you jump into it on your own, to, to help you go through it and understand what exactly you're reading and why you're reading it and you know so on and so forth. Now, the first question that we need to look at is, who wrote the book? The second one is, well, what kind of literature is the book? The third is, what is the theme of the book? The fourth is, what is the purpose of the book? The fifth is, is the book needed today? And the sixth is, what is the message of the book? Now, these six questions should help you get the content so you can move forward in your study of this book in the proper way. And we'll look at all six of these, and I will not try to make this, this podcast today a real long one. This is a, a lot of stuff I really would like to say about it, but I don't want to make it too long for us. So the first question, though, that we looked at was, or that we're going to look at was, who wrote the book? Now, when you read the first chapter, it tells you in verse 1, it says, The preacher, the son of David, 
king in Jerusalem. So verse 1 tells us that the preacher, that is the son of David, who was king in Jerusalem, he describes himself as a preacher who was of the lineage of David, and like David, he was king. And so let's look at these descriptions that he gives of himself. Number one, he calls himself the preacher. Now, some translations say the teacher. The Hebrew word for this, though, is koheleth, which when translated into the Greek is Ecclesiastes. The idea of this name in the Hebrew is collector of sentences, preacher, public speaker, speaker in an assembly. This name doesn't have the flavor to it as our English word for preacher does, but more like a debater is the idea behind the word koheleth. And so then the first thing we learn about the author is that he has something that needs to be debated. The second thing the author describes himself as is the son of David. Now, this simply stated means he is from the line of King David. And so far, we know that the author is from the line of David and that he is a debater that has something to say. The third thing he says about himself is what leads us to the conclusion of the identity of the author, which is king in Jerusalem. Now, this verse, along with verse 12 in chapter 1, gives us his full identity then. Now, there is only three possibilities, first, to who this writer could be. Number one, it could be King Saul. Number two, it could be King David. Number three, it could be King Solomon. So only these three kings, the reason I say why it can only be this possibility, these three possibilities, is because there was only three kings that were kings in Jerusalem over all of Israel. After Solomon, of course, well, you find out as you read the scriptures, the kingdom was divided divided with Rehoboam and Jeroboam. So King Saul, King David, King Solomon. Now, it could not be King Saul, obviously, because he was not of the line of David. That's a very obvious conclusion. It, then it could not be David because the line starts with David. So it has to be Solomon and only Solomon because he is of the line of David and he was the last king to be king over all Israel. Therefore, the conclusion I believe you could draw from this is that the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, is Solomon. Now, some people want to argue and, and debate this, that it really isn't Solomon, so on and so forth. But I, from what I've studied and from, from the conclusions that I have seen is that that view really came to be popular in the 1800s, but before that, and I'm talking thousands of years before that, it was believed that Solomon wrote the book. So I'm not going to argue. If somebody wants to argue about me, about that idea, they can, they can try to, but I'm not paying attention to you on that because it seems to be the, the, the conclusion that I can take from it is that King Solomon is the author of the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, the second question is, well, what kind of literature is the book? Now, this book, along with the books of Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Song of Solomon, are of a genre of literature known as wisdom literature. And in our past couple of podcasts, we have looked at Psalms and the book of Proverbs. And they are known, as, as we said, wisdom 
literature. Now, there's two questions you have to ask with that is what is wisdom literature and what is the purpose of wisdom literature? Well, what is wisdom literature? Wisdom literature is a type of literature that shows the reader how to live in the world that God has made. That God has made, and the idea is the right kind of living. And we, of course, we discussed this a little bit on the other couple of podcasts as well. But just kind of giving us a, a review of it, the wisdom books are the philosophical books for the Jews in the Old Testament, and they would be similar to the style of the Greek philosophers. Yet they were they both types of. Uh, of literature or both types of philosophers then differ in their beginnings. For instance, the Greeks in their reasonings would come up with some conclusion of a deity or higher power. And that's seen pretty clearly in, I think it's Heraclitus's Logos. Now the Jews would not do that. The Jews would start with God and then reason um, and, and then go into reason. And one of the most often stated themes then in the wisdom literature books is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So that's they differ from the Greek philosophers in that way. But the main concern in wisdom literature is the pursuit of living a godly life. And that's the idea of wisdom literature, the genre of, liter- of wisdom literature within the Bible. So that is what wisdom literature is. The second question is the purpose of wisdom literature. What is it? Well, in each wisdom book, there is a certain point to be argued or a certain truth or concept being expressed. So most importantly, what these, the purpose of these books would do would strengthen your faith in God. So that, that is the type of or that is the kind of literature that this book is. Number three, the question then is, what is the theme, the theme of the book? Well, the theme would be, as you read the book, you see this, life under the sun. How one lives under the sun. Now, the idea is the real life, the meaningful life, life with and without God, life under the sun. And that's made a little bit more clearer as you get into chapter 3 when it says that there is a purpose for everything under heaven. And the idea is God, God is in heaven. And man is on earth, and man would be then under the sun. God is obviously far above that because he is eternal. So that is what the theme of the book is, what real life is under the sun. The fourth question to be asked then is, what is the purpose of the book? Now, we looked at what is the purpose of wisdom literature, but then the question here is specifically looked at within the realm of Ecclesiastes itself. So what is the purpose of the book of Ecclesiastes? Now, according to Dr. Benjamin Shaw, who wrote a good commentary on this book, which I highly recommend to check out, Dr. Benjamin Shaw, according to him, though, he says Solomon wants the reader to see see this life truly and completely with all its pains and pleasures. As someone once said, this life is one that passes by fast, and only what is done for God will last. That is the idea being conveyed. And this book shows us how to live with the right perspective. And the idea then would be what kind of perspective? Not What is the right perspective? The right perspective would be, seeing as how we are Christians, would be the eternal perspective.
So this book shows us the reality of God's sovereignty, that God is the Lord always, and He is absolutely sovereign and ordains all that will come to pass. That is what this book shows us. And if you think I'm wrong with that, read the book and you'll see that I'm right. This book will give us, as I said, this eternal perspective, it will give us a right view of God, and that apart from God, this life is absolutely meaningless. Apart from God, this book is absolutely, or excuse me, apart from God, this life is absolutely meaningless. So it gives us an eternal perspective, and if you have the eternal perspective, and that's a definite article, the eternal perspective, then you will have not only a right view of God, but the, once again, definite article, the right view of God. And so the fifth question then is, well, is this book needed today? Yes. Well, then you got to say, well, why is it needed? Well, this book answers the question if one should live or if one should die. If one should live or if one should die. Now, that's a question people have been asking since time began. Albert Camus says that the biggest philosophical question is whether, whether or not one should commit suicide. Albert Camus said that. This book, the book of Ecclesiastes, answers that question for Albert Camus. And I'm hoping Albert Camus, before he died, got a chance for that question to be answered properly. But this book is especially needed for today. Our culture is looking for meaning, and this book answers that question. Once again, Peter Crift says, Whenever I teach the Bible as a whole, I always begin with Ecclesiastes. In another age, we could begin with God's beginning, Genesis. But in this age, the age of man, we must begin where our patient is, we must begin with Ecclesiastes. I couldn't agree more. The existential crisis of man that the philosophers have bemoaned for centuries is fixed with careful reading and application of this book in the Bible. With the amalgamation of ideas being thrown into the pot today, this book is what heals the death within and makes this life livable. And then the final question to ask, what is the message of the book? The message we can take away from this book is, your life starts and your life ends with God. Your life starts with God, your life ends with God. God puts you in this world, and He will take you out of this world. What does Job say? The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God puts you in this world, God will take you out of this world. Our Lord Jesus said that He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. That is the message. Under the sun, we all live, yes. But in heaven, God dwells. 
outside of time. He is timeless. He is eternal. And this God who stands outside of eternity, who is both in past, present, and future all at once, your life starts with God, your life ends with God. He is the first and the last, the beginning and the end. When you come to the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon tells us this is the conclusion of the matter. This is the conclusion of the Koheleth, the preacher, the debater, the speaker. This is the conclusion. He says, Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. The message of this book of Ecclesiastes is we are accountable to our God and our Lord. And one day soon, we will appear before the judgment seat of our Lord Jesus Christ and give an account of our lives. Our life starts with God. Our life ends with God. For the Christian, that's a wonderful, wonderful idea. For the non-believer, that is a horrible idea for them because they have not been converted. And we must pray that God will convert them. That God will find them and God will bring them to salvation. But if they die in their sins, it's hopeless for them after that. Because just as our life starts with God and ends with God, their life starts with God and ends with God as well. God is in total control. As I said at the beginning, He ordains all that comes to pass, whether good, whether evil. He is the author and He is the finisher, not only of our faith, but of every human life on this earth. God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And so we are accountable to our Lord and our God, and one day soon we will stand before Him, we will appear before the judgment seat of our Lord Jesus Christ and give an account of our lives. And so the message of this book of Ecclesiastes is a message that the church should be preaching to this generation that we are surrounded by because this generation we are surrounded by needs, needs to understand what life is all about, needs to understand that we have all fallen short of the glory of God, that we have all sinned, and that God's wrath is on us until we come to Jesus Christ, until our Lord brings us to Jesus Christ. And we must preach this message. And as we preach this message to them, that God's Holy Spirit would bring them to His Son and save them from the wrath that is to come. It would fix the problem in their brains. It will fix the problem in their hearts. It will solve the problem of man's dilemma. Of, as Albert Camus said, should one commit suicide or not? It will solve that problem if we preach this book to them to show them that only life only true life is found in the person and in the work of Jesus Christ. I encourage you, read this book of Ecclesiastes on your own time. Don't come to it with a preconceived notion of what this book already stands for. But instead, come to it with as, as if you had been the first time you'd ever approached this book in your life and weigh the book and the balance is to see for your own self of what I have said today is true and what other commentators have said is true or not. Use discernment, and you will agree with me, I believe, though, 
and as I agree with Peter Kreeft, that this book is the best book of all the philosophers or all the philosophy books that have ever been written. And I encourage you to read it and gain the wisdom from this piece of wisdom literature that our Lord wrote down for us. That is all for today. Look forward to look, getting into the book of Job next time. Goodbye. Today's book recommendation is St. Augustine's City of God. This book, along with Augustine's Confessions, are two of the major works that he wrote and two of the major works that this world has been blessed by, and the church specifically has been blessed by. The City of God chronicles this view of the philosophical road that man has taken from the early days of the beginning of time and looking at Moses and Plato and Aristotle and all that all the way to the Christian church and Augustine does a really good job of leading the people in the right direction and pointing them directly to Christ. I encourage you to pick up this book, The City of God by St. Augustine.